okay, here's the deal. I'll make with you. By the end of this sermon, you're all going to be wanting to go to seminary, get your theology degrees. Really? Really, man? Okay. Well, maybe we'll try try it anyway. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question to start out today, and it is likely the most important question you could ever ask yourself. Wow. Dramatic effect. <laughs> Are you a child of Abraham? <laughs> Maybe you know the song, Abraham had many sons, many sons had father Abraham, right? This is an important question. This is what we're going to talk about today. What does it mean to be a child of Abraham? How? How do I become a child of Abraham? Because it is pretty important couple of stories. This one comes from Luke uh, 19. You know Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Remember that story? Hey, good job. Good job. Excuse me. I'm just checking to make sure I don't have any more songs in this sermon. <laughs> out of my comfort zone. So Jesus is going through Jericho. Big city, Right? prominent city. Do you know Mark Antony gave Cleopatra Jericho as a gift? Great place, city of palms. And there was this guy there named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector. Jesus is walking through. By the way, he's on his way up to Jerusalem to die. See Zacchaeus up in a tree. Zacchaeus has climbed the tree because he was a short fellow, right? See Zacchaeus, I'm going to go to your house today. And so they go into the house and everybody says, look at him. He goes into the house to eat with sinners. And so Zacchaeus, after they had talked in there, stands up and says, I'm going to give four times back to anybody that I have cheated. I'm going to give half of my possessions away. And Jesus says, salvation has come to this house today. For this too is a child of Abraham. Pretty interesting, huh? There was a story with John the Baptist. Everybody came out, listened to John, baptized in the river for the repentance, for the forgiveness of their sins. And the Pharisees and Sadducees finally came out. And John, wanting to win friends and influence people, says, you brood of vipers, who warned you to come out and flee the coming wrath? Everybody else has come out. They listen. They know what's coming. They listen to me, baptized, but not you guys. In fact, you're just here today to check me out and see what I'm all about. And I'll tell you something. Don't even try to tell me that you're a child of Abraham. I'm a child of Abraham. God can take that stone right there and make a child of Abraham. So don't come around here telling me no child of Abraham. Child Abraham, you need to produce fruit. Child Abraham thing's kind of important, huh? Well, the first thing I want, if you want to write down some notes, number one, this is the promise to believe, to be believed with Abraham, child of Abraham. And Jerry already did this one for me as he talked about Abraham's faith. But I'm going to start with Genesis 12, where God appeared to Abraham and said, I want you to go to a land you don't know anything about. I want you to leave your father and mother and go to a place where you don't know anybody. And there I'm going to bless you and make you into a great nation. 
I'll make you a great nation, Genesis 12, 3. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Even though you're leaving your mom and dad and everybody you know, this is what I'm going to do for you. And so Abraham went, actually Abram went, as the Lord had told him. You fast forward a few years, this is Genesis 17, Abram fell face downward and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you, Abram, you will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram, your name will be Abraham, father of many nations. For I've made you a father of many nations, I'll make you very, I will make you fruitful, I'll make nations of you, kings will come from you, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Wouldn't it be neat if God said that to you? And Abraham believed it. Problem. I ain't got no kids. <laughs> and everything I got is going to go to Eliezer of Damascus. I ain't got no kids, so how's this going to happen? Well, you know the story. Abraham tried his own way to kind of get this done, and that backfired big time on him with Ishmael. Finally, God comes and says, in a year from now, you're going to be blessed with a son. And we know Isaac came. Fast forward some more years. God says, I want you to take your son, the promised son, the one you've been relying on and looking for, and I want you to sacrifice him to me. Abraham was going to do it. You know the story. So Genesis 22, listen, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, Abraham, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you obeyed me in faith. Abraham just lit God up because he believed and had faith. And so the promise is that Abraham would have many sons and many descendants. All right, now... We want to go through this and see how Abraham had faith. But it's kind of hard because what God promised to Abraham is probably different than what you and I, okay? I, in a, as a hundred-year-old, we're probably not going to have the son of that promise. But we can still garner the facts about his faith, and we can still see how you and I can be his child. Okay, so that leads me to point number two, if you want to write this down. The misinterpretation of the promise. Now, I'm going to talk a story in the Gospels about how they misinterpreted the promise, but my point will be that you and I misinterpret the promise as well. So first, let me read the story, and then I'll try to apply it to our lives the best we can. This is John chapter 8. Jesus is talking to some of the Jews in Jerusalem who had believed him, and he said, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. If you believe what I say, then you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and you know this one, the truth will set you free. And they answered him, we're Abraham's descendants 
We have never been slaves to anyone. So what's all of this, the truth will set you free stuff that you're saying to us? And Jesus replied, ah, very truly I tell you, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. And that puts you in a precarious position, what he explains here. A slave doesn't really have any spot in the household. So the master or the father of the house can kick him out or keep him, you know, whatever he wants to do. There's nothing that locks him in. So, but here's the thing. If the son sets you free, you're actually part of the family. They say, we're not slaves. You are. You're a slave to your sin. And we all know this. So Jesus, uh, they said, Abraham's our father, they answered. And he said, you're doing what you have heard from your father. Because I'm telling you what I heard from my father. You're doing what you do from your father. Our Abraham's our father. If you were Abraham's children, Jesus said, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you're looking for a way to kill me, a man who's told you the truth I heard from God. Abraham would have not done that. Abraham would not do that. So you begin to shape in your mind what it means to be a child of Abraham. We would do what Abraham did. Abraham believed God, followed hard after God. Not these guys. All right, now let me read from Galatians 3. So again, I ask you, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by works of the law or things that you do? Or by believing what you heard. Hey, Abraham also, he believed what God said, what he heard from God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And now the people in Galatians are trying to earn it. Understand then, Paul says in Galatians, that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture a long time ago foresaw, knew the future that God would justify Gentiles, not just Jewish people. He would justify Gentiles. Hey, that's you and me. That's pretty important. And he would do it by faith, not the law. And he announced in the gospel in advance to Abraham, all nations will be blessed through you. We just read all of that. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Skipping down a couple of verses, he says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself toward Christ. And because of that, there's neither Jew nor Gentile anymore. There's one big group of people being saved by faith. Instead of one group supposedly saved by a law from Mount Sinai and a whole other group of Gentiles who don't know a thing about that, we're all one group now. Doesn't even matter male or female anymore. We're all one group saved by faith. So, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, his descendant. And you are also an heir according to the promise. The promise that it was given to Abraham. It's pretty important for you and I to know that we are a child of Abraham according to that promise. The translation of that is just this. I am a man like Abraham who believes in the promises of God and structures my life around that belief. That 
makes me a child of Abraham. And that's the same thing as saying, I am a child of God and a part of his kingdom. You in or are you out? All right, I said we misinterpret this. Just like the Pharisees, we're we're descendants of Abraham. And Jesus said, "I, I know you come from Abraham, but that's not what it's about. Look what you're doing. Abraham wouldn't do those things. All right, so this is what this means. My perfect Sunday school attendance is not that important. Faith and heeding what God's promise in your life is the most important. They said to themselves, we can trace our lineage back to Abraham and we're good. You and I say to ourselves sometimes, well, my mom and dad went to church all the time and my mom and dad baptized me. That's not how Abraham was reckoned righteous. He was reckoned righteous because of his decision-making based on following, heeding, and believing God's promise. He went to the land where he didn't know anybody. He believed God could give him a child in his own age. He believed God could raise that child from the dead after he asked him to put it to death. He believed. All right. We know that our righteous acts are filthy rags, right? So it's not just Ben saying that. This takes away all of the ownership. If you fit in a church really well, I see that to me. You know, it's a hard thing for somebody new to go to a church, right? I don't know anybody. I don't know what they do there. Not me. I'm into this church business my whole life. I like to go to new churches. I fit into them just really well. Well, That means I'm going to heaven. No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that at all. What do you and I attribute to our salvation that we maybe shouldn't? What do you rest on your laurels in? Saving faith, being a child of Abraham is gut fighting it out in believing God. That's what it is. If your name is on one of the chairs in this room and you sit in it every time, that doesn't mean anything. Faith, what counts is faith. So Paul is going to try to tell us all of this stuff. All right, so point number three, we are saved by faith not Ancestry.com. <laughs> Listen to what Paul says in Romans 9. I speak the truth in Christ. Listen to Paul just scream at us here. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have sorrow, great sorrow, and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself would be cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people those of my own race, the people of Israel. All right? I'll, I'll get cut off from Christ if the Jewish people could be saved. That's what he's saying there. I hate it that all my people are not saved. Well, that's a pretty boisterous statement. 
Now, Israel, you remember, was the grandson of Abraham. His name was at first Jacob, but it got changed to Israel. He had the 12 sons, became the 12 tribes, and they became all of Israel. Later, they became Judah, which is why they were called Jews. This is the Jewish race. And Paul's saying, I'd cut myself off if they could all come in. But that's not the way it goes. Theirs is the adoption of sonship. They have so many good things. There's the divine glory, the covenants that God gave them, the receiving of the law on Mount Sinai, such an awesome moment with Moses, the temple, beautiful as it was, the worship that happened there, and also the promises that God gave to that Jewish population. Theirs are the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And from them, from them you can trace the human ancestry of Jesus the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised, amen. All that stuff to the Jewish nation. But it's not as though God's word had failed, for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. And that's like a huge key statement. These people were relying on the fact that they could Ancestry.com back to Abraham. And so I'm good. What are you relying on? If you're gutting it out in the fight of faith, you rely on God and God alone. On the contrary, it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. And what Paul's saying there is Abraham had several sons. All of those people that came from those sons would also be descendants of Abraham. But you know, and the Old Testament tells you, that God took Isaac out of all of those sons. There were eight of them. Isaac was the one that was promised. Abraham had plenty of descendants that weren't from Isaac. So there you go. There's your proof that not all of Abraham's descendants are blessed like the ones that come from Isaac. In other words, verse 8, it is not the children of physical descent who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. Okay, I know you can't trace back to Abraham, but the same thing happens to us. My mom and dad went to church, so I'm good. My mom and dad raised me in the faith, so I'm good. Da-da-da, da-da-da, so I'm good. Da-da-da, da-da-da, so I'm good. What makes us good? We are reckoned righteous when we have faith like Abraham had it. All right. So, does God just reject all the Jewish people then? Are you an anti-Semite, Ben? (laughs) No, Paul says... In Romans 11, I asked then, did God reject his people that he made all these covenants with? No, he didn't. I'm an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. I'm one of the guys. I'm one of them. But I chose a different way than the law. I chose faith. And that's the way God set it up. Point number four, if you want to write it down. Abraham is the prototype. Now, from time to time, Christina will say to me, Ben, you are the way every man should be. (laughs) If she were to say that, what she would be saying is that, Ben, you're the prototype. (laughs) Okay, so the rest of this sermon, 
what I want to do is run down through the gut-wrenching fight that Abraham was in, see how he did it, and then you and I can apply that to our life and see, hopefully, that we can truly be his child. And by that, not his descendant physically, but we are like him, and so we are deemed his child. All right, Romans 4, Paul says, is this blessedness only for the circumcised who are trying to earn it? Or is it also for the uncircumcised, the Gentiles? We've been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. His faith. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? Was it not after? It was not after, it was before. And he received circumcision as a sign and seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was circumcised. So then, he's the father of all who believe. He's the prototype but have not been circumcised in order that righteousness might be credited to them. That's Gentiles like you and me. And he is also the father of the circumcised. He would be saying the Jewish race, who not only are circumcised, but who also follow in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Remember they were trying to say, Jesus is good, Now what you need to do is be circumcised to the Gentiles. And Paul said, no, 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 no. Nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. All right, now, verse 16. This one's not up here. I'm just going to read it to you. Therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all of Abraham's offspring. I didn't put it up there because I want you to hear me say it, and I want you to hear me say it so bad, I'm going to read it again, okay? Permission? I was going to do it anyway. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, not law, so that it may be by grace that's so important. Why is that important? God says, I have to grant you righteousness as a gift. Otherwise, you're going to try to earn it. You try to earn it, you're not going to get it. If you try to earn it, guaranteed you won't get it. You cannot earn my righteousness. You're going to fall short of the standard. So it has to be by grace, and it has to be through faith so it can be by grace, a gift given. That way it can be guaranteed to you because... If it depends on you, ain't no guarantee at all. In fact, we could say you're guaranteed to lose it. So God says, it's on me. That way you can be assured of the guarantee of it. That's a good God, is it not? It's on me, not you. What does that say to you? What does that say about your spiritual life? What does it say about stuff in the past that you have done? It's not on you. You can reverse all of the past. You can get away from all of the ownership just by fighting it out in believing God and his promises to you. It had to be by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. He's the father of us all, the prototype. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, 
And God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. All right, so we are saved by grace through faith so that it could be guaranteed. All right, now the nuts and bolts of his faith. I'm in chapter 4, verse 18. I believe I have this one up there now. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Against all hope, in hope. So our faith and fighting it out with God has a whole lot to do with hope. Think of the things in your life right now where you've lost hope, given up on it, never happened. How can you rearrange your thoughts? If you've given up hope on something, by default, it was once a hope in your heart. And I'll bet you a buck that if it was a hope of your heart, God's the one that put it there. And by that, he has made a promise to you. Now it's it's up to you to believe it. If you've lost hope in it, as Abraham did kind of, It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Against all hope, Abraham had hope. What areas of your life could that be said of you? Point number six, if you're writing them down, you got to face facts. This is important to your faith, facing facts. I'll read you the scripture. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead? Facts, right? Now, when you and I say face facts, it's probably somebody's telling us, that ain't ever gonna happen. You just need to face the facts, Ben. Abraham, in his faith, is different because when he faced facts, he said, I'm not gonna believe those facts because I know what God said. So when you face the facts, this is you buckling your belt, clenching up your abdominal muscles, and having the fortitude to say, I don't care what anybody says or what the situation looks like. God said, God put it in my heart, and I'm going for it. And I know it's not to have a baby when you're 100, but what is it? What have you given up hope on? At one time it was a hope, and I bet you God put it there in your heart. Come on, this is where we dig deep. This is where we look at him as the prototype, and this is where we act like him and do what he did. Number seven, giving glory to God. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but he strengthened his muscles of faith, gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. He gave glory to God. All right. God has all the glory you could ever imagine. He never has more. He never has less than the glory that he has right now. He is just glory. Abraham giving glory to God doesn't mean Abraham did something stupendous that added to God's glory. What Abraham did here was light God's glory up. 
Because in spite of the facts and in spite of the situation and in spite of the seeming impossibilities, Abraham stuck strong in that wind and current and said, I still believe. And then Sarah turned up pregnant. And in all of that, everybody would have said, dang, Abraham had faith in God even in spite of all of those, not, all of the facts. And so in all of that, he strengthened his faith. And by strengthening his faith, he gave glory to God. Are your beliefs in God right now going to give him glory? Are they? When God says, I will work everything out for your good, Romans, does that give you a different perspective on the hard times that you have? When God says, I will be with you always to the end of the age, does that give you a different perspective on your loneliness and your codependency? When God says, I will help you and strengthen you and I will uphold you with my strength in Isaiah, what does that say about the I can't do it's that you maybe say about yourself? What does it say about your seeming limitations? When God says, I will meet all of your needs, why then? Do you still become anxious? See, the gut fight can help us with all of this stuff. When God says, I will bring you safely to heaven. What does that say about his love and his power for you and his devotion to you? When we face facts that are seemingly against the promises that God has given us, and we believe in God in favor against those facts, we find God leading us, and it has a profound effect on us in the kinds of sacrifices that we will make. And all of a sudden, we have a situation where we are truly alive. We're not so much concerned with the creature comforts of the everyday But all of a sudden, we become ready to take risks for love. Risks. Something in gutting it out changes us on the inside. We're more apt to do things because we know he's there. He knows, we know he's got us. And we know he is going to pull it through. We get infused with hope. And we are ready to try new things. And all of a sudden, we are no longer dead men walking around, resting on our laurels, but we are alive and God is producing fruit in us. And our dreams are actually starting to come true. Ha! You ready to gut it out? All right, next point. Let's roll the credits. Next verse. This is why it was said of Abraham, it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone. That story is in the Bible for all of us because he's the prototype. It was also written for us to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. That's how you and I are credited with righteousness. That's how you and I are deemed sons of Abraham and by extension, sons of God 
heirs of all that he has and adopted into his family. Faith, belief. Now, it is not that your giant faith makes you righteous. It's that your faith is the channel that God then in his grace gifts you with righteousness that even as giant as your faith would have been was still not good enough to get the righteousness. Faith is not the achiever. It is the channel by which God then grants or gives you the gift. All right. I started with Zacchaeus. I started with a song. I'm not going to end with a song. (laughs) But that story again. Jesus is a few days away from his crucifixion. He's at Jericho, about ready to go up the road to Jerusalem. It's the same road that the Good Samaritan fell among thieves on, by the way. He's about ready to go up there, walk that up the mountains to the capital city, and die for you. On his way through Jericho, the old one and the new one, in between them is a throng of people waiting and following him. Zacchaeus is there. He is in a chief city, so he is called a chief tax collector. He's up the rung. He's making money off people who are making money. Residual. He is a chief tax collector. But he wants to see Jesus. Climbs the tree to see him. Jesus walks through thousands of people. He sees the man up in the tree and says, this guy actually has a mustard seed-sized faith to crawl up into the tree because he wanted He wanted, he wanted to see me. So he marches up and says, Zacchaeus, I need to go to your house today. Why? Because he knows that nobody will follow him into the house of a sinner. And he will have a one-on-one conversation with the man. What was said in there, I only wish that I knew. But somehow... That conversation in the house by the end of the day had come out of the house and in public, Zacchaeus in front of the people stands up and says, here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've defrauded anybody, I will, like the Old Testament law says, give back four times what I took. And Jesus says, in front of everybody, salvation has come to this man's house. This guy's a sellout. This guy takes advantage of us Hebrew, Jewish, Israelite people for the sake of Rome. Zacchaeus' family had divested him. The synagogue would not allow him to come into church. The public brutally hated him. And every coin they had to give to him, they hated it. But Jesus says salvation has come to this house. Whatever was talked about there in that room that day with Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was able to feel like what had been taken away, not taken away, actually what he had given up by his decisions had been given back to him. Whatever happened that day, I am sure Zacchaeus said, I'm not even part of the Israelites anymore, God. If I could, I'd go back in time. If I could, I'd go back and make a different decision, but it's, the ship sailed. I'm done. Everybody hates me. My own family won't even hang around me anymore. But the capper, 
was Jesus saying, this too is a child of Abraham. Not only a physical descendant, but now a man of faith. He's a child of Abraham, not because he's a physical descendant. He's a child of, faith, a child of Abraham because of his faith, even in spite of all of the children of Abraham who hated him. Jesus gave back to Zacchaeus what he'd given up by all of his bad decisions. The next line. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. That's good for you, friend, because you can't earn it. You will never earn it. You were lost until found by him, and he seeks you out. And now he asks you to fight it out because not only does he want to make you lost but found, he wants to take you places. He wants to give you promises, joys of your heart. He wants to give back to you the very things you let slide because of some of your decisions in the past. It doesn't matter what you have done. And we can say that in two ways. If I'm out of the church, it's good news. You mean I can still be in the church even though I've done this? Yes, it's by faith you are saved and deemed a child of Abraham. It also doesn't matter what you have done. I've been in the church my whole life. It doesn't matter. You are saved by faith and not by what you have done, good or bad. What does it mean to be a child of Abraham? It means you gut it out with the promises God has given you. It's so hard. But in all of it, you and I, if we do, give glory to him. He wants to glorify himself to this world. He's just actually chosen to do it through you. Won't you oblige? God help us. God, it's a, it's a comfort to look back at Abraham's life and see his struggle and to even see some of the decisions he made because he did have some doubt. God, we all so often are full of doubt. Help us strengthen ourselves. Help us this day as we've gotten this reminder from the scriptures to recommit, to double our efforts. But even more so, God, to dig down into our heart and see what truly you have promised us so that we have something to go on, something to have hope in, and something to really truly believe you in. God, as we struggle to search for what that is in our hearts, guide and direct us to it. God, as we recommit and redouble our efforts, God, once again, show us the great things you have for us. Show us what you have in mind for our accomplishments and fruit through you. Show us what it is. Show us the path that you have for us. God, make us alive. In your name we pray, amen.